All right, tell me when. We're good? All right. Well, welcome to uh, Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. And uh, I, I said to everybody because everybody's got a mother, right? So even men get to celebrate Mother's Day. So we thank the Lord for our mothers. And um, I'm thankful we get to come back to church together. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we're excited about that opportunity. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 40 this morning. And we finally made it to Genesis 40. And uh, so very excited about that. It took us a long time to get there, but we're there. So we've been almost a, year, a little over a year, I think, on Genesis, haven't we? Or right about a year, something like that. I think about a year and, oh, my, probably two or three months, I think. So, but uh, anyway, we've I've enjoyed it and uh, certainly been a joy to to uh, take our time through it and to find things through it uh, that uh, sometimes we may gloss over or look over or not see. And so we thank the Lord for that. Let's uh, take some prayer requests real quick. Um, if you will, continue to pray for June Bolin, uh, who did not get to have her chemo. Uh, she was supposed to go for some more testing this week and hopefully uh, have start chemo again on Tuesday. They're going to adjust her chemo schedule. And so continue to pray for that, that that will work out, that her blood counts will get where they need to be. And uh, then also for a family matter that they uh, are praying for, and so pray for that. And uh, also I think, Miss Linda, you had mentioned a family matter as well that uh, we mentioned yesterday, I think, in prayer. And so pray for that. Uh, also for, uh, is it Den uh, Denise? Is that the Uber driver? Debbie, I'm sorry. I could not, for some reason I had her name wrong. Debbie, uh, which is the Uber driver that Miss uh, Kim's been praying for, that has cancer uh, now in stage four, and so pray for her. Also, continue to pray for my sister. Uh, we're hoping to find uh, some even more information out this week, and um, we praise the Lord that uh, things are starting to look like it may not be as serious, that there would be a fairly non-invasive way to treat uh, some of the stuff that she's going through, so Continue to pray for that as they go through the testing. They have uh, started narrowing it down, and so praise the Lord for that. So, yes, ma'am. She is in hospice. Okay, all right. So continue to pray for Debbie in hospice. Also, Brother Bob Schwabert, uh, who's also under hospice care, if you will keep him in prayer. And then uh, Friday, uh, Miss Jean Whitener took a fall and broke her hip. And uh, had to do a hip replace, partial hip replacement on Friday evening. And um, she is uh, doing well as, as of yesterday from what I know. Um, had a few people call and give me updates on her. And uh, so uh, they did have her up and walking yesterday, which is a good thing. And uh, so uh, continue to pray for her. She goes uh, through that road of recovery. Uh, pray for the building to sell uh, over at Beacon in uh, DeSoto. And uh, I'm sure, especially with uh, some of the setbacks, uh, that the missionaries could certainly use that extra help uh, around now. So pray that God will bring the right person along for that and get that sold. And uh, all right, um, I think that's the ones I know of right off the bat. I'll probably think of two or three more here in a few minutes. Miss Kim? Okay, all right, so pray for your uh, your dad, or Miss Kimmy's dad. Um, 
Also, uh, Kim Coulter had mentioned um, some prayer requests last week. She always prays for her family, but also some things that her and Pat are working on as far as from the work side of things and the business there. Uh, I know that's a very urgent matter for them, and so pray for uh, that to work out. And uh, so we'll pray for that as well. All right, anything else, Brother Harold? Okay. Wow, okay. 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 Sure, absolutely. So pray for Abdullah. Uh, So we'll pray that God will convict there and bring some knowledge of the truth there. All right. Anything else? So it's been a good week this week. I know several people that are uh, looking forward to having some people in the service today, and so we praise the Lord for that. Uh, I got a, I got to talk to Linda Craig uh, yesterday and Jennifer, and uh, so they're doing very well. Miss Linda uh, is doing better. And um, Jennifer is about to go stir-crazy even at home, (laughs) but we're glad that she got home, and that was a blessing. They get to go out for walks and things, and that was a blessing to to her, so we thank the Lord for that. Uh, We've had so many good answers to prayer uh, recently, and we thank the Lord for that. Uh, My brother-in-law's situation not being as serious as it could have been uh, was a great one. Brother Harold Hurchin, we prayed for Wednesday night. And on Thursday morning, God woke him up, and so praise the Lord for that, and uh, was up and talking. Uh, Brother Waymeyer said, I guess he called and talked to him Thursday morning, and so that was an answer to prayer, a very exciting answer to prayer. And uh, just so many good things that God's been doing recently, and we thank the Lord for that. All right, anything else before we go to the Lord in prayer? Anything at all? Boy, y'all are, you got all your needs met already. That's exciting, isn't it? So, yes, ma'am. Yes, yes. Sold all the tomato plants, so praise the Lord for that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for the privilege to be here this morning, for uh, folks being able to come back and be part of the church services. And we look to forward to a very special day. We thank you for uh, the day that you've given us that our country has decided is a day to honor and to thank you for our mothers and the influence that they've had in our lives over the years, and uh, the character that they have instilled in our our lives uh, as young people. And Lord, we do pray that you would uh, bless all of our mothers and uh, those that have shaped our lives over the years in the way that they've raised us, and uh, we thank you for them. We do pray that you'll bless the services today, and Lord, that you would bless uh, in the preaching of it, that our hearts would be uh, sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit. May we Look for the truth, and then, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to apply it to our lives, and not just uh, be hearers only, but doers of the Word. And then for the requests that have been mentioned this morning, Lord, a number of folks that are physically sick, and we think of those battling cancer, Lord, several that uh, have cancer in their bodies that we've been praying for, that you would uh, give relief and comfort and grace during this time. And, Lord, if it would be within your will to do so, we do pray for healing and ask that you would uh, do something that would be um, something only you could do and something that we can give you praise and honor and glory for. And, uh, Lord, we'll rejoice regardless of the outcome, knowing that your will has been done. 
I pray that you bless those that are under hospice care. We think of Brother Bob uh, this morning and the family. Others that uh, are stuck at home, and we think of Miss Jean, <coughs> who's undergoing uh, some rehab now with uh, her hip replacement. Um, and others that have family situations that need prayer for. We think of the building that's needing to be sold. And, Lord, just so many things. We think of this one that uh, was mentioned this morning uh, that has heard the gospel. And, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to bring conviction upon his heart, help him to remember and recall the things that have been spoken to him that uh, from your word. I pray that it would draw his heart to a place of decision for you. We do ask that you would bless all that we say and do here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Genesis chapter number 40, if you will. And uh, we were several weeks in Genesis 39, and we are finally on to the next, uh, next little bit here. So uh, Genesis chapter number 40, and um, <clears throat> we'll begin reading verse number 1. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers against the chief of the butlers, and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued a season in ward. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them. And behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them, I pray you, uh, tell them, tell me them, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, I, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches, and it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth. And the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup. And I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days, yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of his house." Uh, for indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the, into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head. And in the uttermost, uh, uppermost basket there was of all manner uh, of baked meats for Pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation thereof, the three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee, and shall hang thee on a tree, and the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. 
And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants. And he lifted up the head of uh, the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again. And he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. One of the things that has so impressed me about the life of Joseph is his faithfulness. I don't know about you, but when we look at a man who had every excuse under the sun that man uses today to reject God or to not be faithful to God, Joseph certainly could have fit into that category, couldn't he? Now, if any person had, had, from a human perspective, the right to get upset at God, uh, I think it would be Joseph. The amazing thing to me is that at a young age, at 17 years of age, God gives him dreams and shows him what he's going to do and bless his life, but he doesn't show him all of the process along the way. And by the way, aren't you glad sometimes that maybe God doesn't show us all the details along the way? I think if we knew them at the onset, some of us would get discouraged right off the bat. But uh, Joseph certainly did not know. And when things began to not go the way that, that Joseph had envisioned in his mind and felt that this was what God was going to do with him, it would have been very easy for Joseph to say, God, what are you doing? I, this isn't what you've told me. This isn't what you've indicated to me. And he remains faithful. We've talked about that for a couple of weeks now. And I'm so impressed with the life of Joseph because of his faithfulness at a young age. The fact that he is a man of character and a man of integrity beyond his years um, there are people that have been saved numbers of years that would not have that steadfastness in their faith and, and their faithfulness to God and the, their, uh, their commitment to integrity and to righteousness. And yet here's a young man that uh, is a, a, an example that is an amazing example for us. But I want you to notice here as he finds himself in prison. Now, uh, already he has been, he's been in the pit with his brothers uh, and that was not a big. Uh, that was not a good thing. He was sold into slavery. Uh, <clears throat> he was falsely accused in Potiphar's house, and now he finds himself in the prison. And I want you to notice as we get down to verse number five, uh, and it talks about these these people that were in keeping in his hand. Um, that it says, uh, and they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream. The butler and the baker of the king of Egypt which were bound in the prison. So where are, the, where are these guys at? They're all in prison together, right? Okay, not, not the most uh, ideal place, I would think, for, for serving God. But notice in verse 6, the Bible says this, And Joseph came in unto them in the morning, and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And then they go on to explain to him why they look so sad. I love this about Joseph because even though he found himself in what we would consider not the most ideal situation, it did not frustrate him, it did not discourage him, it did not stop him from being able to minister to others. I, I was listening to a preacher here a while back, and he, he asked the question uh, of God's people when he was preaching. He said, are you, are you the ministry or are you the minister? In other words, are you the one that's always in need of somebody ministering to you, or are you the one going out and finding someone to minister to? 
And the truth is, I think every Christian ought to ask themselves that question on a fairly regular basis. Am I one of these folks that is always in need of somebody ministering to my needs? Or am I the type of person that I have such faith with God and my walk with God and my heart overflows with God so much that I am ready and willing to minister to others? Uh, years ago, uh, I preached a message to some folks, and, and the title of it was, Bloom Where You're Planted. Uh, when I was in college, Bible college, um, there were a lot of uh, folks there and, and studying for ministry. Some of them graduated around the same time that I did. And that was 30-some years ago now, I guess, somewhere around there that I was in college, right about 30 years ago. And, um, you know, I could go back to that same college town where I was at, and I could go to places of people that were in college there the same time I was, that 30 years later are still sitting there saying, I'm waiting for God to show me where He wants me to serve. I'm talking about 30 years later. Can I tell you this, that God has our steps ordered, the Bible says. He lays out the path before us. He gives us a race to run. And it's not for us to choose where that race is. It's not up to the servant to dictate to the master where or how he's supposed to serve the master. That is for the master to choose, and that is for the master to decide. It is only up to the servant to be obedient to the master and to serve him where the master chooses to put him. I love the passage in Psalm 1 that talks about the Christian being as a tree. The Bible says this, that's planted by the rivers of water. He didn't just happen to, to there by chance. There was a, a divine plan. There was something in order there. There was a purpose to him being planted where he was planted. In Jeremiah chapter number 17, verses 5 through 10, we find a similar situation where it talks about a Christian uh, that is uh, trusting in the arm of God and in the, in the power of God and has his faith in God. And it says this, that he shall be as a tree planted by the waters. And the idea that God puts us where He chooses. Now, I'm thankful that there are times we can pray and say, God, uh, I want to know Your will, and I think this might be it. Would You show me if this is it or not? And He indicates that to us very clearly and very plainly. But do you know there are some times that we scratch our heads and wonder sometimes, and it's probably usually because we're not as sensitive as we should be. But there are times that we find ourselves in circumstances and we think, boy, this isn't what I had in plan. This isn't what I had envisioned God had for my life. This isn't what God, I, I, I think, had in store for me. And, and we, sit, we tend to have a, a, a tendency to stop in our Christian life, in our Christian walk, in our Christian service, and say, well, I'm just going to wait for God to do something else now. Can I tell you this? It doesn't matter where we find ourselves in life. God knows we're there. And we need to bloom where we're planted. Joseph finds himself in the prison of all places. I'm talking about the dungeon. This was not a pleasant place. It's not like our prisons today that we have, where there's uh, air conditioning and uh, television and workout rooms. and It's almost like going to a vacation at a spa sometimes, if you think about it in some ways, in the prisons we have today. But this, the prisons and the dungeons that they had back then were not like that. There was suffering there. There was, there was uh, 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 unsanitary conditions there. There was, there was vileness in the prison system. And yet here's a young man whose faith is so much wrapped up in God that he continues to serve God no matter what comes his way. I, it's interesting for me that he continues in his faith time after time after time after time of finding himself in bad circumstances. You know, I know Christians that when the smallest little thing ruffles their feathers, their faith goes out the window. 
I've been there before in my life. I hate to say that, but there's been times that it has not taken very much to get me to be like, God, I can't believe you did that. And we lose our faith. One thing I have found is every time that we are steadfast and faithful during times of turmoil, every time we can come through that valley with God's help and God's strength, it makes it that much easier to go through the next valley, doesn't it? Because we have something now that we can go back and we can remember and say, God was faithful to me then. He'll continue to be faithful to me now. And I'm going to tell you something. There will, there will either come or there, or there has already come into some of our lives some of the darkest and deepest valleys we've ever had to walk through. And it's during those times how we respond during those valleys that will oftentimes tell us the, the degree of our faith in God. The, the, the amount of faith that we have in Him to sustain us and to bring us through those times. And can I tell you, it's tempting, isn't it? Those of you that have been there, you know what I'm talking about. It's tempting to say, you know what, after all that I have done for God, as if we did God a favor, you know, after all I've done for God and this happens to me, I just don't understand it. And it's tempting to say, well, if that's the way it's going to be, God, then I don't want any more of it. But Joseph was faithful, wasn't he? It didn't matter what came his way. And, and we're talking here now about a, a, a systematic progression of valleys in his life. One almost worse than the other, isn't it? And he continues to be faithful and to serve wherever God has put him. And I want to encourage us in this, that we be willing to serve God no matter where God has put us. I've heard preachers, I've talked to preachers, preacher friends of mine in the last month. Well, we just really aren't able to get out and do a whole lot for the Lord because of all this shutdown. Can I tell you this? This shutdown did not take God by surprise. There are still ways to serve God in the midst of a coronavirus. There are still people that need to hear the gospel. There are still open doors of opportunity for us to tell people. And I'll be honest with you, if anything, we probably have a more open door of opportunity now than we had a few months ago to share the gospel with someone that hasn't heard. Are we blooming where, we, where we're planted? There are opportunities we pass up day in and day out. I've heard people talk about how many of you love to get um, uh, these, uh, tele, these uh, sales calls on the telephone. Anybody love those? You know, I found out that most of the, the companies that employ these people to make these calls, as one of their policies, they are not allowed to hang up until you say they're, that you're not interested and you're hanging up. It's against their policy. They can get fired for doing it, meaning you have a captive audience to share the gospel with somebody. It's amazing. How many of you get these, these, this junk mail? You ever seen this junk mail that comes in the mail where they want you to, to donate or to join a membership and uh, they have to put the little uh, uh, pre-postage paid, uh, you know what I'm talking about, the, the bulk permit? Do you know they have to open every one of those letters? Stick a track in it and mail it back. It doesn't even cost you the postage. And it's a way to show. You know, I've heard of people that have gotten saved through that method. That was sitting in a house, in a business, opening letters, and a track came in through that through that envelope. We miss opportunities. We have to stand at the gas pump, fuel up with gas. There's somebody standing five feet from you on the other side of the pump, usually, putting gas in their vehicle. 
Open door of opportunity. I found this, that not a whole lot of them have a, anywhere to be anytime soon because most of them are out of work. They've got time to stand there and listen to you. There's lines about everywhere you go nowadays. You have to stay six feet apart in them, but there's lines there, aren't they? Stores, wide open opportunity. How often do we miss? Because we don't think about it. We think, boy, that's just life. That's the way life is right now. But doors of opportunity to strike up a conversation with somebody and share the gospel with them. Not ideal circumstances. But Joseph continues to serve in spite of the circumstances. I want you to also notice this. As we get to, uh, I want to back up into the last few verses of chapter 39 for a minute. If you'll go back to verse number 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to the anything uh, that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Now, this is the second time in Joseph's life where God has put him in a situation where, uh, let's, let's call them unsaved people, I believe, at, at would be a, a fitting description of these folks. At, at best, they did not follow God. But we find in Potiphar's house, and now here in the prison, that both men saw the presence of God in Joseph's life. And because of it, the Bible says that they put everything into his hand. And the the expressions that are used here uh, in verse number 22, uh, it says, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in uh, in the prison. And in verse number 23, he says, The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. Potiphar didn't either, did he? Potiphar did not even know how much wealth he had because he had put everything in Joseph's hand and trusted him implicitly. He trusted him without reserve because he saw Joseph that the hand of God was upon him. Can I encourage you in this, and I and even encourage my own heart in this today, that there needs to be something different about us. When the world looks at us, I'm talking about people who do not know the Lord. When we go to share the gospel with them, they better see something a little bit different than what the world is. That's why I don't like the idea or the concept of churches that are trying to bring the world into the church to try to uh, um, associate with the world or trying to uh, be like the world and relate to them. That's the, the terminology they use. The world isn't looking for more of their own. They're looking for something different. They're looking for something that has the answer to what they're searching for. And when we begin to start looking like and acting like and talking like the world, all we're doing is telling them, we know we can relate to the problem you're in, but we don't know where the answer is. Only by being something that is different can we say to the world, yes, there's the problem, and here's the answer. Something different. That in the middle of a valley, there can be joy. By the way, be careful griping about the coronavirus to your lost friends. Do we like it? No, we don't like it. But is God still in control? Yes, He is. And they need to know that. They need to realize that, hey, I may not like this, but I can rejoice in it because I know that my God is in control of the situation. 
I'm convinced that this world thinks ill of our God in a large part because of the way we have presented Him to them. By the way we have responded about our God. They look at our lives. We are a city that is set on a hill. And years ago when I was young, uh, teens and, and early 20s, there was a big movement called lifestyle evangelism. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you this. I don't think that you just live the life and people will come to you and seek for the gospel. But I am saying this. We got, as independent Baptists, we got so mortified over the concept of this lifestyle evangelism that we threw the lifestyle part out the window. There is still a need for God's people to be different. To have something that the world looks at and says, I, don't, I may not know all the answers, but there's somebody that I want, I want what they've got. When we share the gospel with them, they'll listen because they'll say, boy, you, you certainly are different in something that I'm looking for. Oh, we've got to be careful of this thing. And Joseph is a man that at least two different times, and we're going to find as we get to uh, chapter number 41, it happens again in his life. Only this time, it's not just the captain of, the, of Pharaoh's army. It's not just the keeper of the prison. Now we're talking about the most powerful man in the world at the time committing everything implicitly into Joseph's hand. Why? Why would these three men, men that would not be considered men of God, do such a thing with Joseph? Because they saw the presence of God in his life. Can I encourage us in this, that we seek for God's presence, and then we proclaim the goodness of God's presence. That we go out, I'm convinced that our young people growing up in our churches, they see mom and dad go to church. They see people in the church go to church. But they never see God actively working in our lives. Boy, when God does something miraculous in my life, I want my kids to know, hey, this wasn't just something really fortunate that happened to us. God did this. God did something in our lives. I want them to see God at work. I want them to realize that this is an exciting thing to see God at work in our lives. Because I want them to realize that not only is He my God, but He can be their God. And He can take care of their needs. And He can meet their, their problems in life. He continues uh, by being faithful to God and his, his, the, the presence of God being in His life, the favor of God being on His life, is recognized by others. <clears throat> and then I want you to notice a couple of other things here. I'm certain that in the process of all these things that are happening to Joseph, he has been disappointed time and time again with the way man treated him. All the way back to his brothers. Um, how, could, how could his own brothers, his own flesh and blood, deceive him and, and cause him to... Uh, be betrayed by them. And I imagine his heart failed any. I, I, I think Joseph loved his brothers. In fact, I, I think we have Scripture about that. Here in a few chapters we're going to see that. When he weeps and he falls on his brothers' necks and he hugs them. He loves his brothers. And yet they, they betrayed him, didn't they? Man failed him. He gets to Potiphar's house. He's, he's serving Potiphar. He finds favor in Potiphar's eyes. And yet Potiphar betrays him, doesn't he? Cast him into prison. We, we find him here uh, coming, and this is where we're at today, coming to these two men. 
And with the butler, he says, now listen, you're going to be in Pharaoh's house here in a few days. And when you get there, he said, I want to ask you to show kindness to me. This is something Joseph hasn't had a whole lot of yet, has he? He hasn't had a lot of kindness up to this point. He says, listen, I'm doing something for you. He said, all I'm asking is, would you show some kindness for me? I want you to look what the Bible says in verse number 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Disappointment. Can I tell you this? When we put our faith in men, we will always be disappointed. But can I say this? And I I hope we'll learn this. That it is during the times where man fails us that God has opportunity to show Himself strong to us. We can rejoice even when people fail us because we realize that God has the opportunity now to show His strength. I think that's what God was telling Paul, wasn't it, when He asked about the thorn in the flesh being removed? He said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in what? In weakness. Paul said, when I am weak, then am I strong. Not, not by my own strength, but by God's strength. And yes, I know, I understand human nature. I've been there. I've been disappointed in men before. I've disappointed people before, I'm sure. We are human. We will disappoint one another. We will fail in those times. But can I tell you this? Rather than getting bitter at that person, be merciful and forgiving of them and say this, God now has an opportunity to show Himself strong in my life. Yes, that hurt. Boy, it failed me, and that, that, was, that, that was hurtful to me. But God has opportunity now. It's all in what we focus on, isn't it? Years ago, when I lived in Florida, <clears throat> every once in a while, we were, we were in a church that we did a lot of fellowshipping, amen? And uh, Baptists are good at fellowshipping. Uh, we spell fellowship F-O-O-D, and that's the best way to spell fellowship. And uh, but we did. We we would. Uh, we it was not uncommon uh, for my wife and I to have four or five families over. Usually on a Sunday afternoon between services for lunch, or maybe on a Sunday evening after church, we'd have them over for coffee and pie or something, and just spend a time of fellowship. And boy, it was sweet and just wonderful times. Sometimes we'd have a cookout on a Saturday, have people from the church over to the house, and just enjoyed that. But but um, my wife was so fanatical about the house being absolutely meticulous. It had to be museum quality in, in the house. And I used to, you know, the difference between men and women, fellas, I think you'll agree with me. Men look at it and they say, listen, it's my friends and they know I live here, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, you know, give it a little lick and a promise and it'll be good to go. They know we live here. Women are different. They want everything spotless. And uh, it never failed. When we would have somebody over to the house, and, uh, of course, those were the times that she would get the special dishes out. You all know what I'm talking about, the ones that only people she cared really a lot about got to eat on. Not you, not the husband, but, you know, other people she cared a lot about. And, uh, but anyway, she would clean the house. And I'm not kidding. I mean, we'd spend, she would, she would get me and the kids. She'd get the neighbors. She'd get people down the road. If there was somebody walking by in front of the house, she'd grab them, come in here and help us clean our house. I mean, everything had to be perfect. And, I mean, she would clean that house spotless. If she was walking in that door today, she would nod her head and say, he's telling you the truth. 
she would make that house. I mean, there could not be a spot anywhere. Now, it, it was amazing to me that how clean she wanted that house. We had a beautiful living room area that we uh, actually built our house. When we built the house, we built it so we could have people over. So we had a large, large living room area with a big bay window that opened out onto the street. And just, just a beautiful uh, setting God had there and uh, that we could use for that. And um, it's interesting to me that sometimes there would be a commotion outside or something uh, happening across the street or out in the street. And we would look. Uh, everybody would turn, and, and maybe they heard a noise outside, and they would all look and see what was going on outside through that big bay window. And everybody in the house saw what was happening outside except for my wife. You know what my wife saw when she looked that way? She saw the little smudge on the window that my daughter put her handprint on. Now, we were all looking the same way, but we saw different things, and what determined what we saw was where we placed our focus. Can I, can I associate that to the Christian life? We many times all see the same things. But what we give our attention to is dependent on what we give our focus to. When we look at the problems of life, are we looking at the problem or are we looking at the problem solver? Are we looking at the one that can be in control of the situation? Here's a, here's a young man who has been disappointed time and time and time again to the point where if I was in Joseph's shoes, I would probably be saying, I don't know that I'll ever trust anybody ever again. They have broken my trust and broken my trust and broken my trust. I'm just not giving my trust to anybody else. But not Joseph. Because Joseph understood something. And again, for a man his age to understand this, puts me to shame many times. He understood this, that what man means for evil, God means for good. He even tells his brothers that in a few chapters. There are going to come times where man will fail us, but can I tell you this? God is still in control. It did not take him by surprise. We can still put our trust in him and rejoice regardless. I want us to notice also one last thing, and then we'll be done. God's timing is always perfect, and it may not be our timing. I heard a preacher say this one time, and I'd never really heard it put into these words before. But he said, God is seldom early, but he is never late. And I thought, boy, what a, what a thought. Years ago, there was somebody that wrote a song uh, that spoke of the fact when Lazarus died that Jesus didn't come until four days after he'd been in the grave. And the song, the course of the song went, when he's four days late, he's still on time. Can I tell you this, that there are, there are many, many times in our life where it does not make sense why God hasn't already done something that we expect him to do. Joseph has had indication from God that things were going to be a certain way in his life. And he's been through an extended period now of that not happening. And for him to say, boy, I wonder if this is ever going to turn out for my good. He goes to the butler and he says, butler, listen, in just a little bit, you're going to be, you're going to be put into the, uh, power again with Pharaoh. When you do, he says, I want, I'm going to ask you if you'll just show me kindness 
and remember me and get me out of this place, out of this house. And the Bible says that the butler forgot him for no small period of time either. We'll see that next week. Well, not next week. Brother Dan will be preaching next week. Y'all get some good preaching next week. Uh, but in a couple weeks, we'll see that. And um, so I want to encourage you in this, though. Don't give up on God's timing on things. It may not happen today, but if God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You know, Abraham was not 100 years old when God promised him that he was going to raise up a seed to him. And I'm sure that and we even have Abraham second-guessing God, don't we? Because it didn't seem to happen in his time scale. How many times throughout the Bible do we find people that God promised something to and they took matters into their own hands only because it seemed like God was dragging his feet? Can I tell you this? Every time we take matters into our own hands because we think we're helping God accomplish what he said he would do, we live to regret it. We need to learn to wait on God's timing, to be faithful in where we're at while we're there to do what God has given us to do and wait on Him. We don't wait on Him doing nothing. (laughs) We bloom where we're planted, we serve where we're placed, and we wait on God. Man, what a... You know, we would look at a, a young person, or we'd look at a person that had these qualities about them, And say, this is a mature, older Christian person. This is a young man. A young man. And if God can do that in the life of Joseph, then you and I can do that too. You and I can be just as faithful. My dad used to say years ago, he started a church down in Florida with three people in the the living room of my grandma. And uh, God blessed and used that church in in an unusual way over the years. They've been there uh, now over almost almost 50 years. And uh, my dad used to say this. He said, I, couldn't, I can't always be the best preacher. I don't have the same talents that other preachers have. He said, I don't have the organizational skills. I don't have the administrative skills. I don't have the skills and the, the, the gift that some men have of oratory and, and speaking He said, one thing that I can do as good as any other man, he said, I can be faithful. And that's all that God's after, isn't it? For us to be faithful. In the parable of the talents, the man who got three talents received the same commendation from God as the man who got five talents. And the reason was he was faithful in a few things. I want to encourage us to be faithful in a few things. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'll bless the lesson this morning. May you use it in our lives. Lord, certainly the temptations are there for us to forsake, for us to backslide, to get away from you when times are not what we expect them to be, when things are not working out the way that we thought they should. Lord, may we learn to rest and completely trust in you, to wait on your timing, to rest in the and the sovereignty of your will and your decisions in our lives. And I pray that you would help us to find great peace and great comfort in that. We do pray that you're blessed throughout this day and when you speak to hearts in the services yet to come. And I pray that you'll use them for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
All right, God bless you. Dismissed. We'll be back in about 16 minutes or so.